This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show where our mission is to serve you with information that empowers you so you make better financial decisions in your life. All right, so here's something just about all of us do from time to time, maybe all the time. We reuse the same password on multiple websites. And if you're like most people doing that, I've got a great example of why that is a really bad idea. Also today, I recently saw an article that was just so excited that people in their 20s and 30s are buying timeshares in huge numbers. And why that is such a great idea. No way that's a great idea. But before I get to that, I want to remind you, our Team Clark Consumer Action Center is available with free one-on-one advice, information, and guidance five days a week to answer your consumer questions. Go to clark.com slash CAC for the details on how to contact them. So this came up recently, and I want to address it, the 23andMe hack, 23andMe and Ancestry.com. They were such big deals is like the hottest Christmas gift four, five, six years ago. I don't think it's as big a pull as it was then, but it was really simple. You spit in a vial, you sent it off, and it told you stuff about yourself. Uh, ancestry, mostly all about who you were related to, 23andMe, who you were related to, and also health concerns, health issues. And... If you're a long-time listener, you know this story. So we were filming me for TV, and my producer was having to film me spitting into these vials and sending them off. And the whole point of our story was that what we think we are isn't what we are. Unfortunately, she had to watch me spit into these things and all that because it turned out I was exactly what I'd always been told I was, which made the whole story go bust. But that's... That was just funny. But what's not funny at all is criminals recently hacked into 23andMe. And 23andMe says that their forensic investigation is that they did not get hacked. But what happened instead was so much information is out there on pretty much all of us and that the criminals tried different passwords for different people that they had used elsewhere and were able to get in to their 23andMe accounts and then have been apparently pretty threatening with people. They're going to release their information, all the rest. It goes back to the core and the heart of voluntarily allowing sensitive information into the marketplace that wouldn't be otherwise. And second, if 23andMe is right, 
And I say if because it's 23 of me saying they didn't get hacked. And it really is about password reuse. Let's face this fact. As human beings, the ability for us to generate a unique password at every website is so incredibly difficult. About four years ago, my wife came up with a system that I've adopted that is easy for us to remember that creates a unique password at every website. And I think about what we've done, and I think about if a criminal were able to decode the pattern, then the fact that we've done a unique password at every website might not work. So that's why we come back to something that has been part of the marketplace but has very little use, and that's password managers. Now, Google and Apple have different versions of that, and they're both pushing pass keys, which are considered to be a great thing, which is a biometric way of protecting entry into websites. And I've been using Google's pass key. That's something that you can certainly consider as a way to protect yourself. And there's uh, LastPass and Dashlane and a number of others where you have them create a unique weirdo password at every site. But just using the same password is very dangerous and especially dangerous because 23andMe, that's small potatoes. What criminals are really after, bank account, brokerage account, investment account, retirement account money. Those are the things that they really want. So if you reuse a password on financial sites, the danger to you is not an eye roll. This is serious stuff. You could have your money walk on you, and that would be terrible. Banks and credit unions are under strict federal regulations. If your account gets hacked, your money has to be restored. Brokerage houses, which contain most of the money, mutual fund companies, retirement managers, they're not under the same requirements. And that's where I think 92% of household assets are. Only 8% is with bank and credit unions by the data I've seen. So that's why I want you, if you don't have good password management on your retirement account, brokerage account, let's hope you have these things, mutual fund account, whatever, investment accounts, I want you to get those in place. That use 23andMe and the vulnerabilities exposed there as a clear warning signal to you to make sure you're using safe passwording on your financial accounts. Krista? Okay, this first question is from Vern in South Dakota. I've noticed auto and home insurance companies and agents now can use tools to see current policy information and in turn tend to undercut pricing only by a small amount. How is that legal and not price fixing? So Vern, um, insurance companies know there's industry databases that they know all about your driving history and in most states, your credit profile and all that are able to be used to set rates. I am not aware of any industry database that allows price fixing, that allows them to know exactly like if you're with, let's say, State Farm and you're shopping around, 
that Progressive would know exactly what State Farm's charging you or put in the names of any company. If there is something like that, I've never seen it. So I think it's more that that's a fluke because usually people who shop around will see very large differences from the cheapest company for identical coverages to the most expensive. And that you're seeing the rates really compressed is from what I've experienced in the past, pretty unusual. Joe in Texas says there's been a lot of talk on the show lately about target retirement funds. That's true. Always. Yes, always. (laughs) You mentioned that these funds should only be held in a retirement account. My wife and I are very lucky that we both max out our 401k, Roth IRA, and HSA every year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. To supplement those, I have a regular brokerage account with Vanguard that I don't plan on touching until retirement, but that money is in target date funds. Should I move that money to a different investment? This is really hard, Joe. I would not put any more into a target date fund in a regular investment account. In fact, Vanguard itself has had legal actions against it and in certain states it's been compelled to pay restitution because Vanguard never said in their disclosures that target date funds are not appropriate outside of a retirement account because they're not managed in a way because of the way the portfolios are changed. And also, Vanguard did something really crooked and terrible to its investors involving target date funds that generated really ugly tax bills. So that's why they got sued. But the key is target retirement funds are designed and managed in a way that they are only appropriate inside a retirement shell. Because the way the the mix of investments changes over time, that can generate taxes for you that you would not have, let's say, um, in an investment account. If you want to save more than you already are in all the sheltered accounts like you are, then doing something like a total stock market index fund or uh, a mix of various index funds if you wanted to do small company, international, whatever, that would be what would be appropriate in a traditional investment account. I worry about you selling the target retirement funds you already hold outside of retirement account and a regular investment account because then you will generate tax just by that action. So that's why I wouldn't put any more in but not necessarily sell what you already have till much later in life when you would use it in retirement. And this is from Chris in Texas. Do you have any knowledge concerning companies that buy your home based on appraised value and then rent it back to you for a specific time period? We love the concept as we are retiring and moving to Washington from Texas next October. And this seems like a great way to take a lot of the burden off of the process, showing the home open house dealing with pets, et cetera, off of us. They have a processing fee of 3.75%, but this is less than what a realtor would get. We already have a place in Washington and are just looking for the easiest way to sell and make the move work. Thanks for any help you can provide. So uh, you did not read, but I've uh, seen the name of the company and the reviews of them are really mixed, but mostly bad. That... When you sign the contract with them, 
you give up the power over what price they decide to sell your home for, and they're just after a quick sale. And so basically your equity in the home ends up being squeezed because you give them the power to set the market price and sell. And I mean, people are so upset who feel like they got, it's not necessarily swindled, but they got a really bad deal. So I don't recommend that you go with the company that there are so many bad reviews of. There is no free lunch. And when somebody says, this is going to be great for you, you're going to pay a little bit more than half normal real estate commission. We're going to market it for you. We're going to sell it for you. You don't have to do anything. And then we're going to let you live in it after we've sold it for a period of time that we've agreed to. Uh Uh-uh. There are no just no-brainer kind of things like that. I don't think that is the easy solution that it's being promoted as. Go read more of the reviews, and I think you'll change your mind. Plus, right now, rates rates could go down before next October, so people might be able to buy at a higher price than they are right now. Yeah, the now. market's frozen. But now. I would want, if I had already had a place, if you can afford it, maybe you move to Washington and then like have a realtor stage it and put it on the market. Yeah, I, I think this is a case where a more traditional sale makes more sense than the supposed free lunch you're being offered. Coming up ahead, speaking of something that is as opposite a free lunch as it could be, timeshares and a new report in USA Today says they're booming again. And I got to tell you why that terrifies me. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I read so many publications every day, I can't even tell you. A couple of weeks ago, 
I see a story headlined in USA Today about how younger people are ultra-enthusiastic buyers of timeshares and that the average age of a timeshare owner now is 39 and that Gen Z and millennials are gravitating towards timeshares big time. And I was just absolutely shocked because timeshares are an absolutely defective purchase. The reason is the lure, the promise of a timeshare is that you will be able to fix the price of a vacation for you to use every year. And so you buy the timeshare and you're obligated essentially in perpetuity. The marketer of the timeshare has total freedom to raise rates on you whenever they want because it's such a crazy thing. The money you pay to buy the timeshare obligation is almost totally sucked up by the marketing, sales, and commission expenses involved in marketing one piece of real estate 50 or 51 times. Think about a traditional real estate sale. They got to sell that condo once. Timeshare, because it's divided up into weeks, they're having to sell it 50 or 51 times. Why not 52? Because timeshares tend to have one or two down weeks for maintenance over the course of a year. So you've got all the expenses of selling the same 1,000 square feet or 800 or 1,200 or whatever over and over and over and over again. That's what all your money goes to because then you have the obligation going forward. You having to pay for the fees that you have to pay the timeshare developer or manager year after year. What I was really distressed about, and I went to look, I was like, is this an advertorial? Is this an ad? Did somebody pay for USA Today to run this story? Because the writer totally glossed over the reality that almost everybody loses some or all or even more than what they paid in for the timeshare. Now, there are people who love the timeshare they bought, but never, ever, ever, not ever believe it's an investment. It is not an investment. It is spending. And you don't want to inherit a timeshare, let me tell you, because you're inheriting that ongoing obligation. Yeah, there are all these things where now you got points instead of a specific week sometime and all that. Does that make it any better? No. No. Because you're best off realizing that your desires about how you travel, your needs and all the rest will change over a lifetime. But the timeshare obligation keeps going. And then when you try to go to sell it, huh, wow, you will find repeatedly that you have to pay the person who takes over your points or week. You have to pay them thousands of dollars to take over what you've already paid for. So instead of being able to sell it for money, you're paying money to get out of the obligation. That's why it's a defective purchase you shouldn't make. So my rebuttal to USA Today is what were you thinking writing a fluff piece 
talking about how great timeshares are. I was horrified by that and know that it is not a good thing. It's a bad thing that people in their 20s and 30s suddenly think, yippee, I'm going to buy a timeshare. Oh, my goodness. No bueno. All right. Let's go to this. This is also no bueno from Robert in Florida. He says the company I work for had a service anniversary dinner. The invitation said employee plus one. So my wife and I attended. Two weeks later, I see a deposit for $0, but $34.98 taken out for taxes. I asked my HR department what this is about, and they said it's for the company dinner that my wife and I attended. Is this legal? Wow. Wow. We'd love for you and your spouse to come. Yeah. But we're going to charge you 35 bucks for imputed value that you have received. Wow. That... Um, I mean, taxes. So what would the income have been like? Yeah, they're saying that, that it may have been like a $200 yeah. cost for the catering and the facility right. and all that. Yeah, that's that's not a deal. I, <laughs> I remember anniversary. I used to work for a company that every so often for years of service would have this catalog you yeah. could pick things from. First time I picked something from the catalog and then I got the deduction for taxes and the value they had put on it was higher than what I could have gone and bought the item for in the marketplace. It's one of those things about corporate America that is, uh, as you said earlier, no bueno. <laughs> it's, it's no good. And so they are taking a very strict interpretation of tax law, though, in billing back you for tax for your spouse, saying that it was a benefit Although I don't know many spouses or significant others who look at going to an employee's <laughs> company function as a benefit. Yeah. So from now on, I'd say thanks, but no thanks. I hope the meal was at least good, right? Well, it's not a $200 no. meal, right? Oh it's going to be a uh, rubber chicken circuit kind of stuff. <laughs> so this is this uh, once burned. What's the expression? Once burned, twice shot? Fool shine? me once. Um, There's some you. expression Fool me twice, like that. It's on me, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always one's mess bitten, up all one's these bitten phrases. Twice shy, right? Is that it? Thank Which you. is also a song by I said it, it was the wrong band last time. I think it's Def Leppard. I think I said Poison last time when we talked about that, and people corrected me. All right, we're gonna move on. I'm sure there'll be <laughs> people. Will let me know if I got that wrong. Sam in Texas says, I sent rent via Venmo to my partner, who's the homeowner. We're concerned that it will be flagged as taxable income, so I always send it as a gift. Does that matter, and do we have anything to be worried about when it comes to her receiving large payments and her taxable income? What's the scoop? Thanks for all your advice. Okay, so it's your partner that you live in the house with. So you should mark it as reimbursement of expenses. You're sharing expenses of living under the same roof in the same household, as I interpret this. Right. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So you're allowed to gift any other individual each year $17,000. But this is a different situation and that this is a shared housing expense. So I would not categorize it as rent. I would not categorize it as gift. I would categorize it as expense reimbursement. The thing with the 1099s is all because there were people who were using Venmo and Cash App 
And some people use that thing you should never use, big bad Zell. Remember, never use Zell. They were using them as ways to operate side businesses and then not reporting the income. That's why Congress, in its wisdom, passed this uh, clunky, impossible to administer thing of the 1099s. So all you have to do is if you receive the 1099, you report it, and then you back it out with the explanation that it was reimbursement of expenses, and you'll be fine. When you get a 1099 that is for something other than income from a business activity, you have to report it, but then you just, it's pretty simple on a tax return, you back it out as a credit after you've reported it, because it was for a reimbursement, in this case, for your share of living costs. Kathy in Idaho says, because of a construction project next door to our lake home, we need security cameras to keep a watchful eye on the project. They have an easement across our property, but are using the road for more than access. Is there a security camera you would recommend that would not need Wi-Fi? Okay, so there are two ways people do this. One is they do it over cellular. And that's the most popular way that people do at construction sites, monitoring construction sites. There are a bunch of outdoor cameras sold, and the cameras themselves are not expensive. Cellular service can get really expensive. The alternative is most of these outdoor cameras also allow you to not have a cellular data plan and instead use an SD card. So you won't have up-to-the-minute live video of what's happening at the construction site, but you'll have the ability, if you go by, pull out the SD card, download it to a computer, you'll be able to see what's going on there, and you'll have documentation of what's happening. Not live to the minute, but you'll have the digital record where you'll be able to say, no, this is not what you're allowed to do. And you know, on a construction site, a lot of times you got so many different subcontractors and they may not be knowingly violating your property rights. They may think that it's okay to do that. And so you use this as a way to educate first. And then if the bad behavior continues, you've got the digital record to be able to take the action you need to for whatever harm you suffer on your property side versus where the construction site is. And then this is from Judith. She said, just an FYI for the listener who spoke about their daughter aging out of TRICARE Healthcare. TRICARE offers a young adult healthcare policy. We've used this policy for two of our daughters that were in the same boat as the caller's daughter. So this is something that I was not aware of, and I want to thank you so much, Judith, for sharing this. So TRICARE is a program for military personnel, and kids age out of TRICARE at 23, I think was the prior question we had. And so there is this gap policy, if you will, the young adult health care policy that I wasn't aware of. And the person who posted the question before was not aware of. And this is what it's all about is all of us as part of the team help each other with knowledge and information where we empower each other. And I want to thank you, Judith, for doing that. And it's time for our Clarkie of the day. Yes. Speaking of being part of the team, let's hear from Debbie. 
Hi, my name is Debbie. I'm from North Carolina. I've been listening to Clark Howard for about 15 years. My husband um, retired as a police officer at age 56, and for most of our married life, we made under 100K a year. I'm 59 now and only work 16 hours a week. We owned a natural gas car at one point. We now own a Tesla Model 3. We paid off our home mortgage and the mortgage to a vacation home at the beach. Our three kids went to college and graduated with no student loans. And that is why we are Clarkies, and we love you. Thanks for everything. Thank you very much, and I love what you shared is that so often I'll hear from people, well, I don't know how they save all that money. They must not have kids, and you have three kids, and you were able to do everything you've done, living mortgage-free, owning your car debt-free, putting three kids through college, loan-free, and so it's all how we live our lives paycheck to paycheck, month to month, living on less than what we make creates the choices, creates the opportunities. And that's just what you have done. And I thank you so much for sharing that. And also to your husband for the bravery he demonstrated over the years as a police officer serving the community. And I want to thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast remember what we're about you learning ways to save more spend less and don't ever ever let anyone rip you off